Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Park Scope Unprofessional po- Unprofessional. I can't pronounce words. Jeez. <laughs> Unprofessional Podcast Hour. Joining me tonight is Brian from Orlando United. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and you guys keep inviting me, so I must be doing something right. Uh, give or take. <laughs> How's uh, wonderful Miami doing? It's too damn hot, and I'm not looking forward to August. Okay. Or July. Well, actually, we are in July. No, uh, August is, yeah. is the brutal one. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Also joining us is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? Mike? Don't tell me Mike dropped already. <laughs> okay. Okay. Figures. <laughs> you jerk. Okay, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Hey, I'm uh, freaking out, man. You're freaking out. Freaking out. You need to calm down. It's okay. It's okay. Just be cool, bro. It's all good. How's Louisiana doing? It's uh, it's getting to that point where it's freaking hot. It's freaking hot. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Also joining us tonight is a very special guest. Someone, well, who needs no introduction? So it's just Jim Hill from JimHillMedia.com. Hey. <laughs> How are you doing, Jim? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, how's New Hampshire doing? Uh, we have been having some pretty spectacular thunder and lightning storms today, so it's been a nice time to be indoors watching it. Yeah, definitely understand that. We had uh, huge storms going through last night in Ohio, so loads of fun. So mm-hmm. uh, let's get into it. Uh, we, we This is going to be a little more of a loose form episode than we're used to, as if like we have a normal uh, you know, <laughs> way of doing an episode to begin with. Um, you guys have a structure? Yeah, well, who, who'd have thought? It's not like we don't have anything like uh, preset with like sets and you know skits like uh, Orlando United Radio does. But um, yeah. we're going to cover some of um, some of the recent news going on at Walt Disney World and Universal Orlando, um, and get some of Jim's inputs on it, kind of as, see what's going on, and just kind of go through the news. Um, so let's start off real quick. Uh, the real big thing going on right now is Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, there are some more recent closures. It was announced that the Art of Animation is closing, I believe, July 12th, is it? I'm forgetting. Yeah, 12th or yeah. 8th. I think it was the 12th. Yeah, July 12th. Uh, there's a standing rumor that uh, One's Man Dream may be closing. Um, there's also rumors that uh, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids playset is closing, which, you know, I'm surprised that's still open, in all honesty. Um, but more and more attractions are closing, and uh, D23 is kind of coming around the corner. Um, so Jim, do you want to kind of like talk about like a little bit of what's going on with Hollywood studios a bit, or I'm just trying well, to, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, reader's digest version, you're, you're looking for them to get ready for the Pixar place announcement. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's, people have been very, very focused on the star Wars stuff and that's understandable. I mean, that was, you know, the, the big recent acquisition, uh, well, relatively recent, but you know, you spend four billion dollars, people expect something, and you know they did that tease at the uh, 2013 D23 Expo with the packing crates and all that. But the real story about what's going on at the studio is that this, you know, what you're looking at with the closure of animation, and uh, you know what's you know we've seen just in the past year or so. The shutdown of the um, what is it? The tram tour. Yes. Uh, this is all becoming part of Pixar Place, and you're going to see this 
you know, the studios go from a place that used to make movies and television to a full-blown theme park, you know. Uh, but, you know, the, that, that whole pretense of we make movies here goes away. Yeah. Um, uh, Sean couldn't be here tonight, um, and he says, you know, sorry about that. Uh, mm-hmm. but he, he actually submitted a question for you. Um, one of his questions that he had um, was that Backlot Tour closed nine months ago. Um, mm-hmm. and recent pictures have shown very little to no activity around the site. Um, and there's a, but just a, more and more that are closing. Um, is there any worry at all within the company about the, about the kind of, of the park they're offering to the public, especially the prices they're charging? Um, that's quote unquote from Sean. And a uh, second part to that, wouldn't it have made more sense to have something started at the, at the very least on the large portion of land, the, um, the, the backlot tour freed up? Well, I you have to understand that this plan has been in flux. In fact, there there was a a plan, you know, that that they were supposedly ready to sign off on the beginning of this year that they took to the board and the board actually pushed back. I mean, it was mostly uh because they felt the Star Wars component was was really a lot of stuff that had been done before and and Iger quite wisely, as it turns out, um, could, uh, given the reaction to the the, the trailers for um, the Force Awakens, you know, he he was the one who said, you know, we're launching a lot of new Star Wars. Could we maybe put that in um, the Pixar stuff? Um, you know, just it's been kind of interesting. They they brought the board down uh, last month to do a walk through the park to sort of sell them on the idea. Cause this is pricey. This is, this is going to be a D- DCA level spending. And, you know, the, and the Pixar side, uh, is, is really going to address a lot of issues among them. I mean, face it where toy story mania is right now was never intended to be a guest area. I mean, I, I remember when I was there, you know, it, it, it's a member of the press for the, the, the actual opening of Disney MGM studio theme park back in 89. And they, it was a big deal that they allowed us to walk through this backstage area that, that, you know, to take the shortcut because even back then people were bitching about the fact that, you know, you made me get on, you know, this tram thing and I'm here with my kid and my strollers a quarter of a mile away. And it was just sort of like, Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, so they're, that's part of what they're doing with, with when, you know, people are sort of obsessing about, oh, how sad it is that animation or the art of animation is going away. And let's be blunt here that there hasn't been anything going on in that building for almost 12 years now. You know, I mean, you know, the, the Disney stopped doing animation in that building in 2003. Um, you know, in, in fact, you know, I remember talking with, um, Roy Disney in the middle of the whole Save Disney thing, and he was looking for suggestions about, you know, well, what could we do to get attention? And it's like, well, there's a whole bunch of laid-off animators in Florida. If you got them on a bus and brought them up to Philadelphia and had them march outside of the Disney annual meeting, I bet that would get some pictures. And uh, (laughs) for some odd reason, Roy didn't go for that idea. Um, but yeah, this is all about, you know, uh, you know, in fact, the, the weird part of this is basically for a while, um, guests who were going to, um, 
uh, Toy Story Mania are going to be going down. If you if you got out to DCA during the construction phase where it became that that gauntlet of construction fences, yeah, uh, this is exactly what that's going to be like. You know, just it's, you're going to go down this, you know, this umbilicus, uh, you know, to to you know to walk to the attraction and then come back out. But once it's done, um, this is going to be. You know the ultimate uh, Pixar, you know, attraction. You know that there's going to be spinners, there's going to be e-tickets, there's going to be restaurants. Um, this is a lot of what will get revealed at the G23 Expo, and they're mm-hmm. they're kind of hoping that people will be so excited about this that they won't notice that the Star Wars stuff isn't quite as detailed. <laughs> you know, because um, again, they they push back. Early this year, and ask for a redraft of that plan. So um, mm-hmm. ex- expect a lot of information about what's going on Pixar wise, and um, people are going to be really happy with what they see. But the the downside of it is is it, you know it's going to be Star Wars light again, you know, um, which is a shame. But but I, you know, long range that'll pay off. But uh, the downside is. Uh, you know, this is this is a modern Disney construction schedule, and we could be looking. You know, between the way this goes, it could be five years till it's done. Yeah. So for Star Wars or for Toy Story, all or, or Pixar, you know, the, the, all the, of it. The, okay. You know, and in well, fact, I'm actually. You know, the one thing to remember is at the tail end of this, um, you know, just everyone recently has been like you know visited the new TCM version of the great movie ride and it's like really that's it <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> you know Raza, you know put a couple, couple couple of banners change out the movie at the end and have Robert Osborne read you know the narration and it's like wow i what a brilliant job of rebranding it's like no what once this is all done uh look for the great movie ride to go down for a uh, a huge overhaul, and this will emerge as the thesis attack um, attraction for the park. But but a brand new ride system, a brand new theme. You know, I mean, it'll still celebrate the movies, but it'll do so. Um, you you won't have the really bad Gene Kelly audio animatronic to look at anymore. So. Um, <laughs> oh darn! <laughs> you know, you know the story about that one, right? Uh, um. With, with Gene Kelly's likeness and use, yeah, that yeah. Well, just it, the thing is that everybody who was in this thing uh, had to sign off on it. You know, the, the Disney legal insisted that you know if it wasn't enough that they had the rights free and clear from the folks at uh, at MGM. You know, you know from Kirk Kerkorian's people, they had to. You know, they wanted the celebrities on board, and everybody in Imagineering knew that. The Gene Kelly singing the rain figure really didn't work, you know, because again, <laughs> that moment in the movie is a close up. And here they were doing this full figure of, you know, I mean, it just, if you know the moment from the film, it starts as a, a wide shot and then goes into a close up as, you know, you know, I'm happy again. And so they, they, what they figured is they took Gene out for a very liquid lunch, you know, just, you know, here, Mr. Kelly, have another drink, have another drink, have another. Let's go over to Glendale and take a look <laughs> at the figure. And it was like, yay, that's great. Sure. I'll sign the release. And it was only later that he realized like, wow, that's crap. So, <laughs> Beer goggles and 
a literal sense. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I, I take these were whiskey goggles, but but, but the, you get the idea. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Whatever his po- uh, poison of choice is. Um, what, one of the kind of things that I've been hearing though is is that one of the ideas they're bringing over is a sto- is Toy Story Playland, which is that um, is very similar to the concept that they have at Disneyland Paris. Uh, their uh, Walt Disney Studios Paris Park. I believe, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. No, um, no, Hong Kong. I'm sorry, my apologies. No, well, I, no, is it both? Yeah, you're oh, not okay. wrong. I mean, okay. it it literally is the, you know, the Imagineering Lazy Susan. It's just sort of like, okay, <laughs> you know, what do we what do we do in Paris? What do we do in Hong Kong? What's you know? I mean, uh, again, you have to understand that. Let's let's just be cold blooded about this. All right. Disney Hollywood Studios slash Disney Hollywood Adventure, whatever the hell they're going to call it, mm-hmm. um, it it doesn't have enough rides. And if they're turning it into a really for real theme park, um, they need rides. So, and and face it, when you're a parent uh, with a small kid, you know if if it's a, you know, um, it doesn't much matter uh, what the kid is getting on, particularly if it's Toy Story themed mm-hmm. and. You know, and and remember, Disney is solidly behind the uh, the Toy Story brand. I mean, John Lasseter himself right now is directing Toy Story four. So, um, you know, this this Disney is eager to stay in this business. So, uh, and eager to have kids be excited about these characters. So, it's now just trying to decide: is it the pre-existing stuff that we've done in Paris? In Hong Kong, which is easy to drop in, uh, you know, it, it's easy to, to go back to those manufacturers and go, hey, you know, that slinky dog spin around thing, we need another one of those or green army men parachute drop or all that. Or is it do we go, um, you know, with with newer stuff? And, you know, I mean, part of the problem is right now is that we've just had yet another management change. You know, think about it. We had, uh, you know, you know. Remember what happened with when Jay Rizzuolo and and Tom Stagg swapped positions, and you know the plans for New Fantasyland changed. Uh, you know, we we lost that giant meet and greet building where one side was going to be the Cinderella meet and greet, and the other side was going to be the you know Briar Rose Princess Aurora meet and greet, and that became uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Trained. Now you have. Bob Chapek has just been designated as the new head of parks and resorts. And Bob, you know, the, spent the, the past hundred days visiting every park, uh, familiarizing himself with the management teams there. And now he's drilling down into the plans for Disney Hollywood Studios and trying to put his mark on it. And, you know, he's the one who really, he, he feels like Pixar Place really is going to help define uh this park really give it i can he views kind of the one-two punch of star wars land and pixar place is you know what's going to really make this park in you know 2020 and beyond uh and and that's the other thing i think a lot of people don't understand is a lot of what's going on right now is all about getting walt disney world ready for its 50th anniversary um, I, you know, which I, I know is 2021, but in theme park time is just around the corner and they want to make this park, um, you know, that this is going to be kind of the jewel of 
that, uh, you know, the, that whole year. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're going to see a new e-ticket for the Magic Kingdom. You know, you're going to see a giant, you know, new parades and such for there. But the real, um, the real celebration will be, have you seen what we've done with Hollywood Studios? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just, just be ready for that, that, that that's going to be in the front window talking up the Pixar stuff, talking up the Star Wars stuff, and all of the entertainment offerings that we changed up. Yeah. Brian, I think you had a question earlier. Yeah, it, it actually goes back to his, his, your comment about, you know, we're looking at a five-year time frame for everything at Hollywood mm-hmm. Studios to be completed. Um, yep. You know, to, clo- like, to close everything as construction is imminent makes sense, but if we're not talking mm-hmm. about construction not happening at least for a little bit, why close... Uh, you know the animation building right now, as Hollywood Studios already is low on things to do, and it seems like the animation is something that's not exactly a detriment to them as far as like an operation standpoint. You know, I can understand backlog tour because it takes a lot of you know things to get going. You know, the fire and all that. It's it costs money, but the animation, granted, it's been dead. Is at least it was some something for people to do and do the you know the meet and greets. Well, but, but but think about it. You don't just walk in and do the meet and greets. You had to do that whole bogus, you know, let's watch the, um, you know, the, the film that actually was initially created for uh, California Adventure. You know, the, the, and then, you know, you had to walk, you know, through the empty, you know, the empty aquarium space to finally get to the meet and greet space. Right, yeah. Um, you know, it just, it, you know... It, it was one of these things where it's like you had this overly lengthy tour that in the end, you know, the, what people really want to do is get time with the characters. And, you know, just this from an operational point of view, the, the, the bodies that were necessary to um, to run the thing, uh, coupled with the fact that, you know, it just. You know, there just wasn't anything there. I mean, it, you know that 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 the they had been watching uh, guest, uh, uh, you know, the guest sampling of this attraction, you know, drop over time because it's just like used to be. Okay, well, I go on that and I get to see the new animated film being made, and it's like, well, not anymore. You know, we'll teach you how to draw. I guess right now they're teaching people how to draw characters from inside out. Yeah. Um, it just. It's just again. It, it's 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 a it, when you think about the length of this tour space and how many people you need to um, to run it. It just it, over time it was just one of the things from an operations point of view. It's like look, it's easier to close this and save the money and move the characters to other places in the parks. Or, you know, and that's the other thing that I think people need to understand is that they're going to be creating new temporary character meet and greet spaces around the park to compensate. Uh, but long-term uh, you're going to see, you know, some brand new, really sophisticated uh, character meet and greets coming up. But a, a lot of that honestly is on the back of the magic bands. You know, I mean, you know, that's the other thing people need to understand is that very shortly Disney is going to start walking out, you know, uh, you know, everybody knows about the book three experiences in advance, you know, per day version of Magic Bands and My Disney Experience. But very shortly, there's a 10 experience, you know, 10 experience per day version of this being walked out. And, oh, thank you. you know, the whole, t- <laughs> you know, well, you know, but you have to understand for, for people who have never been to the parks, 
this is their dream. I mean, you know, just for people who've, who've been going for years and have their favorite restaurants and their favorite way of doing this part, this, I know this sounds like torture, you know, just the whole notion of I have to program my entire day in advance. But for, for people who have never been to Disney, and this is a surprising number of folks who, who, you know, haven't done it or haven't done it for years. And the notion of, let me get this straight, you know, you, you're promising me at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm in. I'm into Crystal Palace and I'm getting my breakfast with Winnie the Pooh. And then, you know, at, at, at 9.30, I'm guaranteed to get right on to Pirates of the Caribbean. And, you know, every hour, hour and a half, they have something that's, a, you know, considered a, you know, a big get on a Disney vacation. Whether it's, you know, guaranteed perfect spot to watch the parade from or guaranteed to walk right in and meet Anna and Elsa or, you know, the the perfect place to stand and get in front of the castle and watch the fireworks for these folks. This is huge. This is, you know, and, and the fact that Disney isn't charging for this, um, is kind of mind blowing to them. Uh, you know, they don't understand that, you know, Disney is just loving the amount of, um, crap that people are buying with their magic bands on impulse purchases. You know, I, I know I've told the story before, but I'm talking with an exec behind the whole, um, you know, uh, Magic, uh, Disney Magic Plus, My Disney Experience, whatever it's called. He was joking that, you know, we're making this all back in $12 turkey legs. Um, because <laughs> people, people are like, hey, wave the band, I get one of these for free. It's like, yeah, well, at checkout, you're going to see the bill. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that that's, you know, that that's the other thing to understand that as part of the redo, the studio is going to be the first park you know, for Disney that's completely built around this concept that's wired for this idea. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, the fact that you'll be doing character meet and greets and the characters will, you know, go, you know, Hey Joe, how are you? And, you know, how's the family back in Ohio? And, you know, um, it's, it's going to get really, really interesting shortly. Hmm. Mike, do you have a question or anything like that? Or, Thoughts? I don't even know where to start. <laughs> um, I, I have a real, I have a real quick one. Um, is is for the Pixar? It sounds like it's just going to be more than just Toy Story Playland. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know that that's in fact. Um, well, depending on again, you got to understand Bob Chapek is going over the plans right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, you're going to see significant components of Cars Land from DCA come out. The key difference, of course, is that we're look, they're looking to do all of this indoors, uh, mostly because of the Florida weather. Mm-hmm. And, but you're still going to get Flo's V8 Cafe. You're still going to get a version of, uh, you know, uh, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. Uh, but that kind of again that keeps changing themes depending on on who I talk to. I, I think a part of the problem there is you got to remember that there's a Cars three in development right now, and you know that. Well, again, guys, this is I know I I know from a a theme park fan kind of view that sounds bad. If you you talk with the guys in consumer products. Uh, again, Len and I were just down in New York uh, last Wednesday, and mm-hmm. they were talking about, as of right now, there are 190 die-cast cars, uh, you know, those sort of the Mattel matchbox-type cars mm-hmm. uh, available. And 
they fully anticipate that with these new films, they'll be able to add another 50 to you know, 60 of those. I mean, from the moment that Cars was introduced as a, a Disney brand, I want to say back in 2006, or Disney Pixar brand, mm-hmm. uh, the, the sales have never really gone down. You know, I mean, they, 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 they introduced those things and they sold and, you know, that there's always sort of a fall off and they've never fallen off. Um, you know, just that it's, it's a billion dollar brand, which they're anxious to keep going. Hmm. Mike, do you have a, something you want to say? If I thought, I'm afraid I cut you off earlier. I, I don't know. To me, I just don't know how they can, I understand they're kind of trying to figure out what they want to do, but it's like after a while, you just kind of got to do something. And I think after a while, people are not going to be as forgiving or as understanding as like, okay, well, I'll wait five more years. I mean, I, I guess at this point now you you pretty much have to, but it's like maybe five years ago, something should have been coming along the pipeline instead of a third Toy Story track. You know, I, I understand they're trying to figure out what to do because they want to make this right finally. And I, I don't know. I, I know Jim kind of seems happy with the direction they're going. I'm still a little concerned. I'm perfectly fine I, with Star Wars. It's going to be great. Um, Pixar, I hope for the best, but again, I'm not too enthused by what I'm, what I'm hearing. I don't know why they couldn't have done the Tokyo Disney Sea Frozen Land back there, and that should be under construction right now. I, I just feel like something should be done with this park right now, because right now the way it is is not worth the price to charge for admission. And I feel like if they didn't have park hoppers, I think that'd be more evident. The attendance would drop significantly. Um, so I don't know. I, I still love Hollywood Studios for some odd reason. I like the theme. I like the feel of it. I like the citizens. I like Sunset Boulevard. But I just the future of this park really concerns me. And we're fixing to go five more years. And Universal's going to keep knocking punches, punch, punch, punch during that time frame. And I just don't know... What they're doing now, planning for the future, is enough to make up for what's going on down the street. And I just want both to be doing exciting things. And right now, I feel like Disney just doesn't have a clue with what they're planning for this. And I think if we go through D23 without something exciting for this park, I feel like people are just going to get more and more frustrated. And that's just how I feel. And this is coming from a Hollywood Studios fan. So I hope for the best. Well, I mean, I know. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but you, when it comes to Florida, um, you have to take the 10,000-foot view. And, I mean, if you look at the billion dollars that's being spent on the transformation of downtown Disney, uh, you know, into, to Disney Springs, and you look at all the money that's just been spent on the, um, you know, on the Magic Kingdom and continuing with the change out of what's going on at the hub and thereabouts. And you look at all the money that's being spent at Animal Kingdom between Avatar and the new Nighttime Water Show and, you know, Epcot's, you know, construction underway right now on a, a frozen ride that, I, again, Disney be- honestly believes when that thing opens up, Epcot will see a 20% jump in attendance just on that attraction alone. Um, and in fact, that's, that was one of kind of one of the driving forces between, um, theater number three for soaring there, just the notion of, okay, we're going to have to be considering that we're going to have more people coming into this park and we don't want that to be the story of soaring that there's four and five hour long lines every damn day. 
especially since they're, they're prepping a new ride film for that. Um, you know, when you, you, you get cold-blooded that way and you, you realize that just in the past, what, five to ten years, you've had four and five billion dollars poured into the resort. It, it's hard to argue that Disney's <laughs> neglecting Walt Disney World. Now, I grant it from a theme park fan point of view, you know, just where's the e-ticket? Where's the, the big dramatic new attraction? Um, but, you know, from a point of view, if you're trying to get people to go on, get on planes and fly down to Orlando, um, you know, just, just wait till you see the national ad campaign next year for, for the Frozen Ever After ride. Um, you know, they, they believe and, you know, and, and this is the other thing to understand. If there were a perceptible drop in attendance, you know, um, you can bet Disney would address this, you know, um, but but there really hasn't been. I mean, yes, you've seen market share. You've seen universal market share, uh, you know, jump up. Its numbers have gotten better. But let's be honest, a lot of that has come from the fact that people aren't necessarily going to SeaWorld anymore because of the whole killer whale situation. You know, um, it's I mean, it's it's kind of a complex situation that that. You know, if if you narrow focus on where's the big ride, uh, I can understand why this would be frustrating. But if you you take the 10,000-foot view and look at the resort as a whole and understand the other thing, and I know this drives Disney fans crazy, but the attitude in-house is that Walt Disney World is really a mature resort. It's not a, you know, it's we're not... It's not 1972, 1973, 1974 anymore. It's not a question of, you know, we need to ramp up capacity. We need to add new rides. We need to, you know, get people excited to really come on down to Orlando. People are coming to Orlando. Um, Disney these days, really, seriously, is when it looks to growth, it's looking overseas. It's looking, I mean, that's why it's all hands on deck right now to get Shanghai open. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why you've got land search teams down in... South America, and you know, if the, the the Brazilian economy would just calm down, you know, uh, you know, you'd be hearing some Disney-related news coming out of there. But um, they Disney just got frightened by the latest, you know, news about a possible economic bubble down there, and it's like, okay, we can hold off on get expanding to South America. Let's get Shanghai up and running first, and. Then we'll talk about heading south. Yeah, especially with all the issues they had with the World Cup and all those protests and everything like that. I imagine. No, that, ab- yeah. absolutely, absolutely. You know that that's, you know, it it it's a market. You you kind of, you know, this this clearly, you know. In fact, you know, the interesting thing with Disney is these days, they're looking for the parts of the world where it's 1955, where it's you know you have that magic combination of a growing middle class that's somewhat, you know, increasing its affluence coupled with, you know, you know, how many, you know, how, how many kids are they having and what are the age of the kids and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, it, the, what's weird is there's actually a lot of places where, you know, it, it is 1955 again, we're here in the United States, you know, it's one of these things where it's like, you know, I, you know, you have to when you're designing these attractions or these new queues. Uh, I was just talking with somebody about the boats for, um, and they're still the same old boats from Maelstrom, 
But, you know, the problem is that you're still dealing with the ever-growing American ass, you know, and, and, and belly. And it's just sort of like, all right, you know, do we have to make sure the load area is a little, you know, the, the space a little wider and the queue is a little more accommodating to people of size or those people who are in the ECVs, you know, and it just – um, it's you're dealing with a different set of issues than you are in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, Brian, do you have anything else? Um, I, j- just a, more of an observation, not really questioning Hollywood City's direction or whatever. But um, when you say attendance, you said that you know if if Disney saw a dip in attendance, that you know they mm-hmm. get their butts in gear. But yep. looking at the latest CEA numbers, it looks like I mean Frozen obviously was the the thing last year. But only contributed mm-hmm. to a two hundred thousand spike to Hollywood Studios. According wouldn't to that, kind of be but, like according to T, of course. So according, yeah, according oh. to TEA. But I mean, wouldn't that kind of be okay. like? <laughs> well, all right, but but re- remember that you're just seeing the attendance number. You are not seeing the how many little Spending. girls walk. Yeah. Yes, and the food, and and mm-hmm. you know the people who spent the full. I mean. It's not a coincidence that, you know, you're seeing the frozen summer, you know, come back uh, or more to the point that Disney was willing to spend the number or the money to move, uh, you know, the, the show out of the backlot theater into, um, you know, American Idol. I, and, and the weird thing is they both those theaters basically have the same capacity. And, and let's also be honest here. One of the reasons they're moving it out of the backlog theater is because, you know, that area is also in play. Um, you know, so it's if, if you think about it, you know, between the people who come to that park because it has Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, it's got um, and, and this was never a ride attraction heavy park to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so to lose the tram tour, we're, we're face it, you know, it's, for the past five years, you were looking at the same tired, decaying crap that was out in the boneyard, you know, and, and then to go to Catastrophe Canyon, like, oh, I am shaking and look at the flames <laughs> and, you know, um, you know, there just there was no there there coupled with animation where it's just sort of like, hey, we used to make cartoons in this building. Um, you know, just the stuff that's come off the table, you know, wasn't really that big a draw anywhere. Whereas Tower of Terror still brings people in. Uh, likewise, they didn't get, I'll be blunt with you, they didn't get the bump from the Star Wars update that they thought they were going to do. They, they, they definitely got a, a, a bump at Disneyland when I think that was 2011 that the new version came online. Didn't really help, help at all in Florida, but. It's still something that people enjoy. Um, and, you know, then now to have the Frozen, you know, this is the one place you can actually go and, and hang out with Anna and Elsa and see them sing. So it's that's that keeps the people coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it's I, again, I understand from a theme park fan point of view, it's just sort of like this is not terribly appealing to me, but. You know, from somebody who's coming to Walt Disney World, I, again, with, with small children, it's just sort of like, it just amazes me that Frozen remains the draw that it is. And in, in fact, it, the, the Wall Street Journal eight weeks ago had this amazing story about this year. And again, remember, we're, what is it? it it's going to be two years in November since Frozen was released. This year, if they're selling 10 times the amount of Frozen merchandise than they did the first year the film was in, in, in theaters and on Blu-ray and DVD, 
And wow. that's all, all because Disney has better distribution channels now and has sort of fine-tuned uh, the stuff that's available. And, you know, and, and again, that's, that's why they really believe that Frozen is going to do amazing things for Epcot. And, but, but again, to, to the theme park purist, it's like, you've destroyed Norway. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, um, if you talk with the guys who actually designed the, the original version of the Norway ride where it was going to be all trolls all the time with a Sherman Brothers song, <laughs> you know, um, that ride got destroyed in 85 when, you know, the, the Norwegian tourism count, you know, people said, no, 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 we need an oil platform. We need people in sweaters. We need Vikings. Sweaters and Vikings. Sweaters and Vikings. They would actually ask for the oil platform because it would be something you would think they'd want to shy away from. Like, no, yeah, I always thought that was the beautiful, most. Their beautiful country with these oil rigs. But, uh, it was the 80s. You know, to end the ride, too. It's like, this is Norway. Welcome to the dark, dark stormy oil part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Get yeah, off the plane, um, please. <laughs> yes, please. And, and, and go watch the film. Uh, you know, just, but, but the weird thing is, it did, in fact, work. That, that, you know, that, that people forget that they saw the year after um, Norway opened in 88. Norway. You know, put out a press release proclaiming that they had seen a 200% jump in tourism from the United States. And when they, you know, that they exit things, one of the things people mentioned is, well, I went to Epcot and I saw this wonderful thing that the film and thought, gee, me and the family need really need to go to Norway. Now, you know, it's always one of those things where it's like, okay, so you had a 200% from the United States. What? That's five more people? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, who was rushing to go to vacation in Norway? But, um, but now, uh, geez, you know, they, they, they literally have frozen tours over in Norway. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, in fact, you mentioned TEA. They, they had at the Thea Summit, they had um, there's an attraction over there. Uh, that literally is built around this little gray farm, um, farm tractor. I mean, seriously, Google it. It's, it's, it's this really, really low key, um, a theme park thing, but the guy comes on stage to accept his award. And, you know, he says that, you know, I don't tell people, you know, I'm from Norway anymore. I tell them I'm from the land of frozen and they immediately know, you know, what we are. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Heartbreaking. <laughs> Mike's a little more bitter uh, than all of us. Well, no, no, no. Uh, I, I think as a, a, Nor- a Nori guy, I'd be, I don't know, as a you know, if somebody like Louisiana. Oh yeah, you're the um, the what is it? What is it called? What is that show? Trimming. Oh, swamp people. Yeah, yeah. No. You're. Sw- <laughs> I, I'm, I'm from the swamp people state. No, I, would, I, would, I, would I, I was going for the HBO show. You're going for the uh, mm-hmm. more lowbrow. <laughs> But to bring it back to close out the Hollywood Studios thing, look, they can close everything. I'm not bemoaning, I'm not bemoaning any of the closures. I just wish, you know, you would see some activity from these closures. I don't miss anything they've closed, and I don't think most people do. I think it's just the fact that things are closing and nothing's happening. And I think maybe if they would have just demolished the backlot tour, that might have given people some kind of hope. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm willing to see it all go down, Jim, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, and look, I just—I don't bemoan Frozen. You know, I wish, I wish they make a third of Hollywood Studios Frozen, or they make a third of Epcot Frozen. Just capitalize off of what's going to make them success. I and to go 
shift to Epcot, which we were kind of at, I guess. I don't really mind Frozen being there. I just think that it's too small of a ride for the crowd it's going to attract. And I think they're kind of going to hurt themselves from that standpoint because there's really not that much of a capacity at Nostrum. So if they're going to do no, it, I, do it big, you know? Well, no, I mean, I, I, that's been a concern from, you know, from everybody. Even the folks who were working on this understood going in. Um, but the argument in house was tell me, you know, just a, 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 this a direct quote from the meeting where they made the decision to go to Norway, you know, just because again, they were just sitting there looking at these tremendous numbers and, you know, watching it right. become the, the, the top grossing animated film of all time. And it's like, tell me if we commit, you know, a hundred, two hundred million dollars to a frozen ride or frozen land that. This is going to be as popular by the time we finish building this, and nobody in the room could could assure them of that. And so it's like, all right. So the more financially expedient thing is to take. We have this ride. You know, the, we have Maelstrom. We have a ride system in place. We have ride vehicles. We can gut that building. We can do an amazing job. You know, putting the frozen elements in. We can concentrate. Spend all of our money. On show elements, rather than having to build a brand new building, having to buy a brand new ride system. And yeah, capacity will be an issue. And, you know, but at the same time, if we, you know, circling back to magic bands and all that, if, you know, a certain number of our guests are booking it in advance and they get to do it during their track, you know, their, their Walt Disney World vacation, they will go home and evangelize to their friends and families about how cool the ride is and people will come to our park. And so it's like, you know, it just, it was one of these things when they lined up the financials and they lined up the time schedule. Because remember, look, you know, look at how long Avatar is taking the build. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of these things where it's like, if you build new and complex, it takes a long time. Where with this, you know, they could shut it down and have the thing open in 18 months or thereabouts. And, you know, that's what they're shooting for. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, you know. I know this bums people out when you just you talk about you know just that it's a business, and I know that that you know you know if you go to places like WDW Magic where if you anybody who mentions you know that you know it's a business is is a jerk is an asshole you know whatever because <laughs> it's like God help you that you you know that you stress that people pay money to come through the door you know but this is how it's been since fifty five. You know, the only difference was that you had one guy calling the shots then. And, and now you have, you know, you have multiple, multiple people and the board has to chime in and you have to look for possible sponsors. And it's a much more convoluted process rather than Walt saying, I want it, let's build it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, one thing that you did bring up um, that I have a question about um, and that's been sort of postulated is um, Frozen, uh, the attraction, uh, Frozen Ever After, I believe it's called, and uh, mm-hmm. My Magic Plus, this possibly being one of the first attractions to be only My Magic Plus. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have thoughts on that, or is it just hyperbole, no, not or happen. not going to happen? That's, that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, they're going to address it with the meet and greet next door. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that's the thing to remember about that is that there's going to be three sets of Anna's and Elsa's art. It's going to be very much like 
the the way they used to do Mickey at uh, Toontown Fair and and Birthday Land and Starland that uh, you know that that so but the interesting thing is two of the sets of Anna's and Elsa's will only be magic bands. The other one, uh, you know, will be for the day guest who walks through the door and, you know, wants to see them. And, and so that's in a weird sort of way, how they're going to address the, um, the magic band issue. It, it's going to be on the meet and greet side, which uh, when you think about it, when, you know, and when Disney rammed this decision through, that was when there were three and four hour long lines to see Anna and Elsa. Mm hmm. So, um, no, the ride will have a, you know, a fast pass and, or, you know, the equivalent. Um, but it's, it's not going to be only, you know, that only the magic bands, cause they'd be rioting in the streets, you know, I mean, <laughs> as it is, they're hoping to, in order to be able to accommodate this, um, they're actually going to step away from the current, uh, future World World Showcase policy, where you know how uh, Future World would open at nine, and then uh, World Showcase would open at eleven. Um, what they're looking to do is basically open World Showcase, the portion of World Showcase to the left that goes as far as Norway, uh, to have that up and running uh, right at, at rope drop. In fact, I, I, there's been some talk about, you know, starting the character breakfast or the – and in fact, that's the other thing that we'll probably see within two and three years um, based on what they're anticipating for success that uh, Anchor House with its you know, many different herring uh, <laughs> will, will basically convert into, you know, character or princess – Disney Princess character dining, mm -hmm. uh, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, just the, the herring will go back to the Bering Straits and, you know, in their, in their place will be Prince's food, you know. Yeah. Um, but I can just, that's, can I, in fact, the interesting thing is they've had conversations with the folks at Mexico, you know, to the effect of, you understand we're going to be opening this early, which means you're going to have to uh, be ready for the, the people who, you know, who, who run in, who do, uh, Anna, you know, that do the whole, uh, frozen ever after ride and meet with Anna and Elsa and then are, you know, on their way out are just going to, Oh, let's go visit Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, so what are you doing, you know, this time in the morning? And it's just like, you know, geez, it's been years since we were open in the morning. What, what, what are we going to do? How's so. your huevos rancheros recipe, guys? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Any so. anything that allows me to buy a margarita margarita at eight a.m. I'm happy with. <laughs> well, that's my okay. thought. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Another question I had is something that you've been bringing up. Um. Uh. With uh. With Len on the Disney Dish podcasts. Mm -hmm. Uh. Is the new Illumination show or whatever uh it, it is called whatever the replacement show is um is there any recent movement on that um because that's something i've been hearing on the rumor mill much and i'm just interested on what you've been hearing or your takes well i you know the weird thing is this was being fast-tracked in fact that they're um you know that it was interesting watching for example how they swapped out the um the old lasers that took so much water and so much power for the newer energy efficient you know different color i mean there's a lot of back of the house stuff that's being done in preparation for this new show. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the most recent conversation I, I, I heard about this and this, I thought this was fascinating was that there was actually sort of a, a an interesting 
confrontation between the VP in charge of Animal Kingdom and the VP in charge of Epcot. And it's like, look, you know, we don't want, you know, we're, we're bringing in Rivers of Light. We'd like a period of time where we're the new show. You know, and the notion of if you bring in your new illuminations in the same window as, you know, because face it, you know, one of the things they're doing with Animal Kingdom is, um, you know, that that's they're trying to one of the concepts they're going to walk out with Avatar right from the get go is like, oh, you saw it during the day, man, you got to go back at night. Wait, do you see the bioluminescence and hey, you know, that that's and you want to get your ticket for Rivers of Light that they're looking to extend the operating hours of their park by five hours i mean you know that that's you know particularly during the the busy summer months because remember this is a park that sometimes will close at five or six o'clock in the evening Mm -hmm. so you know so it's just the pushback was like look i know you guys are ready and i know you guys want this but you know can we have a window can we have a period of time when we're the new nighttime show and, you know, it just, it was kind of a, you know, and, and for the guys for Epcot who, you know, just, they were, let's be blunt here, that they were looking to bring the new nighttime show in because when people, when there's a new nighttime show, that means like, well, all right, I got to book a dinner reservation, um, you know, and people who are killing time waiting for the new nighttime show are in the stores buying things and, and that sort of stuff. Um so right now, it just it, it's and this uh, you know I, I just was talking with folks about this within the last week to ten days, and it's just sort of like oh so what does that mean? Does that mean you know we see Rivers of Light debut in 2016? So does this mean this pushes off to 2017? And it's like you know because then uh, if I'm remembering collect- correctly, is is that Epcot's 35th anniversary? In 2017? Yeah, that would be 35. Right. Yeah, it was 82. Yeah. Yeah. So working the math there. So, you know, to, to give them something, you know, sort of a, a bone to put out there. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's weird when you think about them as competing entities. And, but from, from the Animal Kingdom point of view, it's like, look, we're walking this concept out, you know, that, that we now are a park you want to visit at night, that whether it's a nighttime safari or, you know, that sort of thing. And to suddenly have Epcot have a big nighttime draw and have people decide, well, you know, I don't really need to stay in Animal Kingdom with Lid Closes, so let's go check that out. So, um, it's, so it's, and the weird thing is that Bob Chapek, you know, the new guy through the door, gets to be daddy <laughs> and, you know, to talk between these two battling factions about, well, who gets to do what for how long? And, you know, and, and from strictly a financial bookkeeping point of view, the amount of money that's been spent on building Avatar and, you know, taking the Discovery River area, you know, in, in Asia and crafting a new, uh, you know, waterfront arena, it's sort of like, yeah, okay, if we're, we're getting proper return on investment, we should probably let them at least have a year alone in the spotlight before Epcot then launches its brand new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just, but uh, seriously, that just came down in the last week to 10 days. I haven't even talked about this with Len yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, take it, Len. <laughs> so that's, that's definitely interesting. Um, Brian, do you have any questions for, uh, regarding Epcot? Um, not really. I mean, I'd like to see Inside Out eventually come and some re- revigoration to imagination, but that's probably 
going to be another hour long podcast for a different time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that idea has been bubbling up since, you know, that they, they've, uh, they were first able to show a lot of the footage to different divisions of the company. It just seemed, it seemed like a natural or, or a natural fit for the old honey. We shrunk the audience theater. Um, on the other hand, you know, I just, there is no news on the journey into your imagination with Figment Front. I mean, it's just they they'd love to find a sponsor um, because, you know, it's just, you know, that there's so much wrong at this point uh, with with that ride and the post show. And um, but, you know, but again, it's just Disney isn't necessarily willing to pay for it on its own. Mm hmm. Um, you know, and, and they've made, you know, that, that they've made a couple of runs at Apple, you know, asking them whether it, well, it, it just that Apple would be involved in Epcot period. And, you know, to Apple's credit, you know, and you have to understand that Steve Jobs widow is, is now the largest individual shareholder of Walt Disney company stock. And Apple pushed back and said, no, you know, just sort of like, you know, I don't know what an Epcot is. You guys have so badly botched the brand and mm-hmm. you know there's nothing about that park that says you know for it, it's ironic that you know you've got this whole section filled with dated attractions called future world mm-hmm. uh, but you know from apple's point of view it's like i you know it's just we have nothing we would gain nothing by being associated with epcot yeah and you know when you fix when you figure out what that park is come mm-hmm. back to us <laughs> but you know as of right now, it's like, no, we're, we're still trying to get people to buy this damn watch. So, Yeah, um, <laughs> so. yeah it, which is interesting because I know Apple was uh, one of the sponsors for Innoventions up until um, Steve Jobs came back and he pulled out of that. Um, yep. They were in there yep. for a while. So that, that was interesting. That, um, and that, that kind of speaks volumes about what Steve Jobs thought of, of both Disney and Epcot at that period. Yeah, you know? yeah, uh, so. definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, and I agree with you. Like, Epcot's kind of lost, and, and also what kind of what Apple's pushing back with, um, and what you said, not necessarily that you're saying it, but what Apple said was, like, you know, Epcot's kind of lost that identity. It's, you know, become, is it the Pixar park? Is it the, the park with Soren? You know, is it the park, you know, where you go get your your, your uh, dinner and then you get to watch the fireworks, you know? And, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Know, I, seriously, if, if they stop doing food and wine, uh, flower and garden and holiday around the world. Uh, you know, just cold turkey. Stop doing that. It, it would be fascinating to see the drop in attendance at that park. They, they, there are so many artificial attendance drivers that prop up Epcot every year. Um, you know, and just, but, but again, that's what keeps that park going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, without that stuff, you know, that, that, would you go? I mean, seriously, if you think about it, when, when you think about how dynamic the Orlando theme park market has gotten right now, and, and face it, 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 it's not like we're all getting additional vacation days. We still have the same number of vacation days we all have, you know, have always had. But, you know, now it's a situation where it's like, well, you know, I used to spend, you know, I go you know, six or seven days down in Orlando and, you know, you know, four or five of those were Disney and you'd sneak away for a day and maybe do uh, Universal or SeaWorld. It was always an either or. And now think about it, you know, that, that 
you know, in order to do universal right, you have to do at least two days. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this time, well, uh, you know, at the end of 2016, uh, early 2017, you're going to have uh, Volcano Bay. And that's at least a half day there. Um, and so, you know, people have been sort of dropping SeaWorld in order to keep in, you know, creep in more time at Universal. But, you know, that it's the third park that's really kind of shaking Disney right now that, that, um, that's another reason why you're seeing, you know, suddenly the plans for the studio get that much more ambitious because it's like, Disney doesn't want to be in a situation where it's sort of like, well, the studio park I want to go to in Orlando is Universal Studios. And I, I you know, I don't have the time to go to Disney Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. And I also think um, what they're trying to do with Universal also is that just like what they're doing with Animal Kingdom, trying to make that into a, well, you've seen Volcano Bay at day, but have you seen it at night? That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's. I have to admit, I, I found it kind of amusing, the whole, this is the world's first water theme park, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's interesting, when I pushed back at Disney and tried to get somebody to, to come out and talk about that, that, they said, look, one of the reasons we don't call our water parks water theme parks, I mean, they're very themed, you know, highly themed, but, you know, we want people... You know, we don't want to confuse people. You know that the water park is a water park. You're gonna, you go. You're wearing a bathing suit. You're swimming. Mm-hmm. You know we don't want people. You know thinking that. Well, should I choose between Epcot or Blizzard Beach? You know, and it's just like no, 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 no. <laughs> just you know, you want to go to all four of the theme parks, and you want to save a day to go to one of the water parks. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that they <laughs> they didn't want people making decisions about. Well, screw it. I'm not doing Animal Kingdom. I'm going to, to Typhoon Lagoon, and it's. You know, it's like no, no, no. That's that's day five. You got to go one of the water parks on day five. Yeah. So. It also, I mean, these are the people that brought us the world's first theme theme park within a theme park uh, yep. speech, and also yeah. and also the debate mm. if that Islands Adventure may be half water park to begin with. So <laughs> that's with, you know, it's interesting you say that because again, that that's I always found it fascinating when you 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 did Toon Lagoon. And, you know, just <laughs> to watch the people who are walking around coming eat, in or out of that part of the park who are just completely soaked. And get you know, it, and I know they have those, what, those people dryers that they have over by, uh, what is it? Uh, Popeye's booth. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, 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 I understand that's done to sort of help mitigate the situation, but it always seemed to me it's like, you know, weirdly, you know, weirdly putting two water attractions basically side by side. Um, you know, I just, I did, strictly from balance issues, it didn't, you know, or balancing out guest traffic in the park, it didn't make much mm-hmm. sense. But, uh, and that coupled with the fact that, you know, Dudley, um, in fact, I, you know, I got, got this straight from the designers of, of the attraction. That was supposed to be a year two attraction. You know, that was never supposed to be opening day. In fact, one of the reasons that there were whole sections of that ride that are just black and seem unthemed is because they weren't ready. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's the, I think it was Sid Scheinberg who decided, no, nope, it's going to be opening day. And they just rushed it out the door and um, just never really been the full ride that it had intended to be. So, yeah. 
And then also, I mean, Jurassic Park River Adventures right around the corner. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, which again, I, I guess it's Florida, and you know, when it's you know June, July, and August, this makes sense. But you know, um, boy, if you're there, you know, in the winter, um, you know, you know, January, February, that's a pretty miserable way to spend your day in the park. You know, wet and and cold and walking around. Yeah. Um. Uh. Do you want to stay at Universal? Do you want to cover Disney Quest real quick? Mike, Brian? Universal. I'm, I need some positive news. I don't need you to <laughs> um, So, Jim, have you seen Jurassic World? Um, You know, I, I have not. You know, that I, I got slipped the script last year and been meaning to get out to see it. And and then, of course, thanks to the wonderful people at MovieSpoiler.com, I'm very, very aware of, you know, how the plot compared to the script and all that. But... Um, you know, that it, I, it's interesting to watch how they've, um, walk the first part of it out that, that uh, have you, any of you guys done the Raptor encounter yet or? Yes, I have. Okay. What do you think? Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> mm. It's really good. Especially seeing the line for like, we, we were there cause they kind of said, Oh, be here around three forty-five, and mm-hmm. we got there around three thirty, and we were, I think fifth in line already. Mm-hmm. And by the time they finally opened it, there was probably a good thirty-minute wait. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as the puppets themselves, they do this like grand entrance. You know, they have like the park announcer Velociraptor, and it says its Latin name. Then it comes out, does its whole screeching, and you take a picture. You know, for a meet and greet, it's pretty fantastic. And that's, by the way, that that's a Michael Curry puppet. That that's the guy who did all of the puppets for. Uh, Lion King on Broadway. The yeah. if you remember the Millennium Celebration Parade at uh, Epcot, or that sort of thing. Tapestry of Nations, my favorite. There we go. You know <laughs> this. This is that guy. And I w- was talking with uh, Patrick Braylard, the guy who came up with this show. And you know the the interesting thing is that each of the performers who does the Raptors, and it's 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 kind of a unique setup. They're basically in, an, you know, it's this nine foot long puppet or excuse me, nine foot tall. And each of them is sort of wearing it like it's a backpack. And, but, but they're, you know, that they've been encouraged to develop their own personalities for each of the Raptors that they play. I mean, for example, there's one, uh, that hates selfie sticks <laughs> and, you know, we'll just, you know, attack them, you know, they just really go for them. Uh, there's another one that I want to say really hates um, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, just if, <laughs> anybody who shows up wearing you know the, a hat or a shirt or that sort of thing, they go berserk. Um, but yeah, that, that that between you know how well they've incorporated the sound, I think that's the thing that's really impressive is that when these puppets you know open their mouths and are making the noises of the Raptors from the movie. Uh, and and moving the way they're moving, it's just sort of like this is really cool. This is you know mm-hmm. as close to that experience, and and then the fact that you've got the the uh, Universal team members doing the whole um, uh, thing that uh, God, I'm blanking his name, Star Lord, Chris Pratt. You yeah, know the Pratt's whole hey, you know, um, you know the the whole I am controlling the the creature while you get your shot. Um, it's a, it's a really clever idea, you know, and, and I, of course there were those of us who still missed the Triceratops encounter, but you know, what are you going to do? You know, this, this is the newer take and 
And what's been kind of interesting is there's been this sort of bubbling up of, you know, well, do we embrace this idea? Do we go from, you know, some point in the future, does the do Universal Parks go from having Jurassic Park to Jurassic World? Do we, we create a space where people are supposedly getting real FaceTime with the dinosaurs. Um, you know, when I was talking with Patrick about it, he said, no, this, this, at least for now, the Raptor encounter is still in the world in the timeline of Jurassic Park. And that, you know, further on down the line, depending on how, uh, how much money the movie makes. And I think it's, it's already, it's the fastest movie to a billion dollars worldwide ever. Yeah. Um, and supposedly they're already talking, um, you know, at, at least to, two sequels uh you know it just it'll be interesting to see if that happens um mm -hmm. but to be honest you know that first uh kong skull island has to open uh before they can even begin to sort of circle back on that idea yeah yeah i'm pretty sure the conversation you had with patrick was before the 200 million dollar opening too right <laughs> yeah 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 you know just though it just you know um Again, they've got to be thrilled, you know. Just, just yeah. you know, and and it, but but the interesting thing is that I think everybody sort of anticipated that this was going to be huge. I mean, I remember when they um, they announced the opening date of Jurassic World. This was 2013. I was down at uh, actually down at Universal for uh, a Halloween Horror Night preview event. And when they moved it to this opening date in 2015, you, people forget that Pirates of the Caribbean 5 was opening the same weekend. And Disney waited like a day before moving Pirates off of that date because it's like, no, you know, that, that's I'm not going head to head with the, the first Jurassic Park movie in 10 years. It's like, you know, let's move Jack Sparrow to a safer harbor. So, yeah, <laughs> pun intended. Mm. So. But that that movie has its own issues, but we're not going to get there. Um, uh, Brian, Mike, do you have any other questions um, with, like, Jurassic Park? Um, I mean, there's some other things we can talk about at Universal, so I was just mm -hmm. Well, the thing with, you know, a potential Jurassic World thing is where do they fit it in their schedule of upcoming attractions? They're kind of stacked up right now as far as rumored stuff coming down the pipe. Yeah, that that's it, you know the the weird thing about Universal is they've got a major attraction coming to the park every year for the next five years. You know, I mean they're they're not kidding around, uh, and that coupled with the fact with you know things like you know swapping out NASCAR for the the new NBC Sports Grill and um, you know just it's you know it, it's <laughs> honestly. Um, so much of this dates back to when uh, Comcast bought NBC Universal uh, in September of 2010, and I think it was Steve Bur uh, Burke, the head of, of Comcast at that point. You know, they, they opened the books, and they're you got to understand this is like three months after Harry Potter is opened, uh, the the Wizarding World Hogsmeade, and so Tom Williams gets a call from um, from Steve Burke. And, you know, again, you know, this is never good when the new boss calls. It's just like, oh, crap, what's going to happen? <laughs> and and it's just sort of like, I'm looking at the Harry Potter numbers. It's it's like, are these real? And it's like, yeah, they're real. And it's like, you know, are you telling me you're going to get the entire construction cost of the Wizarding World back in five months? And it's like, yep, 
that's the projections. And, and you have to understand, they were figuring they'd take three to five years to recover that money. And, and, and Burke was like, <laughs> okay, do whatever the hell you want. You know, <laughs> just sort of like, you know, Burke basically handed him, uh, Tom Williams, the money fire hose. And, you know, that's, that's why you've seen such an aggressive schedule. I mean, you know, you think about it. Transformers got built, what, in nine months? You know, with running crews twenty four seven. Yeah, like eleven you know, months or so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it get hell. They and they greenlit that. You know, based on the first day of the soft opening of Transformers at Universal Studios Hollywood, they just looked at the line and like, oh God, look at this. We got to do this in Florida. And the very, you know, the very next Monday, they hit. They had people forget that they had permits in place to redo. Yeah, Murdershi Road is, is is a haunted house, and it's like, yep, pull those permits. We're doing something else. Um, yeah, that that they, they're not kidding. I mean, you know that that you know, I'm I'm sure you guys have heard about the um, the Fast and Furious thing that's coming, and um, I think it's definitely made us know. <laughs> well, you know that, yeah. Well, you know that that that's. That's the thing, you know, that they're actors, you know, it's, it's like, you don't hire them to keep secrets. You hire them to say words, you know, and, right, yeah. um, but yeah, she, she had shot, um, they had told her while they were shooting the footage for the, the new transformer finale, that they were going to be doing something similar in Florida. And she didn't know it was a secret. Um, I, you know, it, it's just, it's kind of interesting to watch the decisions they're making lately, whether it's, you know, the Fallon redo project of, um, you know, a uh, uh, Twister, which awesome. I, I, I wish they'd gone with the original idea, though. It would have been so funny. Um, <laughs> which is? <laughs> oh, oh well, well, the notion is that, that you know, you just, uh, just picture this. Okay, you come to the park and, um, you know, and it's you come to the Twister attraction and there's a bed sheet hanging over it. That, you know, basically looks like somebody with shoe polish has put on it, you know, Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show attraction. And, <laughs> and and it looks like the door has actually been jimmied open. So, you know, I mean, you're going through the queue and it's, um, you know, it, it's just basically that the guys from the Tonight Show, when nobody was looking, you know, basically acted like squatters and moved in and took over the Twister attraction. And it, in fact, the... There was a script written where uh, who were the two actors that that, that are from Twister? The um, I'm blanking their name. Yeah, um, they were going to actually make riff on the whole rumor that they hated each other and couldn't, you know. And so they were going to like hang a third, you know, television monitor between the two of them. I mean, the (laughs) deliberately looked Ricky, Rickety, where Fallon was trying to broker peace between, you know, these two parties. And, and then you basically went into the attraction itself and it was Fallon had taken over and, you know, he was going to be doing his stand up monologue from the tonight show and if you didn't laugh he would throw a cow at you you know (laughs) but but the best part was that the gimmick and and this was only going to be done for universal's 25th anniversary uh you know just the, the one year of this thing that that so when it came time for the show to be live in new york 
um, they'd actually go live to the attraction. It's like, hey, let's see what our ride in Florida is doing. And they, you know, <laughs> so it's now Fallon in New York doing the show. You know, it's like, hey, you know, who's here? And, you know, and the guest that was on that night would, would also contribute to the two. It would be this running bit, you know, on the show. And, in, in the end, it was just from an ops point of view, it was like, Jesus, this is going to be a nightmare, mm-hmm. you know, because because think about the number of guests who would just want to stand in to the side and get into the attraction when Fallon goes live in New York. Um, and, and, you know, and that coupled with the fact that, you know, you know, face it, you know, the, the Universal likes being edgy, but at the same time, they couldn't necessarily guarantee that. You know, the guest who was on the show that night wasn't going to say something offensive. And, um, you know, there suddenly became all these other operational issues. So, so that kind of fell off the table. But I just, I love the concept of the whole Jimmy took over the attraction when nobody was looking, you know, and, you know, um, <laughs> a very, just a really funny idea. A very SNL kind of concept of just like the, you know, the not ready for primetime players sort of thing where it's just like, yeah, let's do it. Might yeah. as well. Yeah. And, and evidently Fallon uh Fallon loves coming down to Florida to do the show there. He they, they had such a good time and uh you know that they I think the plan now is they're going to be doing at least one live m- remote per year of a week of shows uh you know from Florida. Or you know it get <laughs> at least until Jimmy is like all right we've done that enough leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah that that that's it's he was very excited about this idea, and I, I guess now they're circling around to another Tonight Show type idea, but something that could fill that space. Um, and and you know, and, and at the same time, it just, I mean, I hate to say this, but it, you know, there is also a retail space that you're emptied into, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like, all right, so. What are we selling? <laughs> you know, what you know, we have this shop. You know, what what are we sending people in to buy? Yeah. So um, I, I remember but, I was down there for. Um, sorry to cut you off, Jim, real quick, but I, I remember no, 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 I was ahead. down there for the Tonight Show. I got to see the Tonight Show in Orlando, mm-hmm. and their mer- that merchandise was flying off the shelves. The Tonight Show Orlando one. So I mm-hmm. can see that um, that Tonight Show stuff, and also I used to visit. I used to live in Philadelphia, and I visited mm-hmm. um, New York all the time, and they had a very nice NBC like. Uh, NBC's uh, like station store where they had you know col- you can buy your colon blow or you can buy um, <laughs> you know like I have some uh, old Conan o- late night with Conan O'Brien magnets you know c- it's kind of stuff like that yeah and did you did you see just today that the 30 Rock they're renaming it the yeah. building yep yeah. I just saw that uh, you know <laughs> I, I'm sorry that that just makes me sad but I guess that's that's modern corporate America for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a business, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you say that? (laughs) What kind of person are you to mention this business? Oh my God. Um, so I, uh, we, we kind of covered that, uh, the, the, uh, what about the amazing tonight show attraction? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Mike. My, mm-hmm. Mike thinks things are going to be amazing, and we're kind of more tepid I about it. I think it'll be fun. Who, who knows? You hate fun, Joe. I, I don't hate fun, Mike. Um, Business. So one of the things also that uh, Universal's looking at is a Hulk redo. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're looking at something around August maybe this year, or something where we're replacing track and also upgrading the attraction somewhat. Um, what have you been hearing, Jim? 
That's pretty much the same thing I've been hearing. I mean, you know, the, the you know, there's been a lot of stuff coming on and off the table about uh, Universal making some significant changes to uh, Marvel Superhero Island. Um, this isn't that. This is basically, you know, retool the um, the, the launch engines, uh, work on some pinch points that need. Uh, you know, changing and and also you know, let's be honest, the 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 color scheme for the ride, I, the Florida sun really isn't very friendly for you know this yeah. this vivid of, of you know yellow and green. So uh, they're going to be addressing that sort of stuff. But um, I I think you know, and in fact, it was kind of sad earlier this year that I forget who it was who walked the scenario I would about, Oh, you know, universal and Disney are talking and you know, they're, they're, you know, the deal's finally coming down and that stuff's coming out of the park. And it's like, no, no universal is making so much damn money right now off of Marvel merch sales because the movies are so huge. Um, you know, that's, they're going to get the only way, the absolutely only way that the, you know, the Universal, you're going to see Universal give up Marvel is if Comcast, Disney has something that Comcast wants really, really badly. Uh, and so far, the stuff that Disney's brought to the table, and there have been conversations over the past four years, um, but that just, they Disney hasn't brought something big enough to the table that um, that they were willing to 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 make the trade to to let the the rights go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mind you, Universal does have a plan in place. Uh, I, I think I've talked about it with Len about the the whole if if you know there there comes a point that they are going to give up the rights, uh, that whole side of the park just becomes wicked. You know, uh, the the Hulk coaster suddenly becomes the Wicked Witch ride and. Uh, you know, the whole street there devolves down to, you know, Oz-related stuff. I mean, people forget that Universal owns the, the Wicked stage show on Broadway. And uh, Mark Platt, the, the producer of that show, it, has had a bungalow on the, the Universal lot for the past five, Jesus, no, actually seven years, uh, where he's been supposedly working on the Wicked movie. But, you know, that that's Universal's attitude is when... The Broadway show stops selling out. Then we'll talk about the movie. Um, but nobody thought that it would be, you know, it's last year was its 10th anniversary on Broadway. Wow. And, and it still, you know, sells out every night. So, um, but yeah, that's the plan. If and when Disney finally has something it can dangle in front of, you know, Comcast that they really, really want. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess that at one point they were actually talking about giving up a bunch of ABC stations in exchange for it. And, you know, but, but both Disney and Comcast know that, you know, we're, we're kind of at the end of the, the age of terrestrial television. So the notion of you could have our Philadelphia affiliate, it's like, yeah, what is that worth? You know, um, you know, just given that we're, you know, in five years, we're all going to be watching television or our tablets and our eye watches anyway. You know, the, what is the point of battling over affiliates? Yeah. And I mean, it just makes good, you know, due diligence and just good business sense. There we go, getting business. Do you know, just mm-hmm. have a backup plan for something that is a possible option, even if there's no yeah, plans yeah. for it. So it just makes sense. I mean, it, 
you know, it's just it's it's the universal equivalent of a fire extinguisher. That it, in the day that this goes down, they have a really strong concept to to throw into this park in that spot. And more to the point, you know, that, that you know, that given the the teenage girl's affection for the whole Wicked franchise, it, it would be a brilliant move if they ever have to do it. But right now, uh, if anything, there's actually been some talk of going in. And in, in, in much the same way that, that Universal took Spider-Man and, and, you know, redid the ride film and reprogrammed the scoop so they could get an extra second here and there in each show scene. Um, there, there's been some talk about, you know, because uh, there's language in the, the contract that specifies which characters they can build attractions around. And, and it's the A-list. It's all of these, you know, these are these characters that people love from the Avengers movies. So it's just sort of like, yeah, let's lose Dr. Doom and, you know, do something with Thor. And it's like, and there's nothing Disney can do about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike's a resident lawyer, so he's a very, uh, he, he reads the contract a lot. I'm, I'm ready to see the bulldozers come through and start building stuff there. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So you you must have, you must have really enjoyed the master licensing agreement then for uh, yes. What was it ninety ninety four or thereabouts? I mean, it's it's a fascinating document. Where, it's a beautiful you know, document. You just yeah. look at it, <laughs> but you get it from Disney's point of view. It's just sort of like there are, you know, it's it's so ironclad. It's so tight. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like. <laughs> You know, you know. In fact, for a time, I know there was a Disney employee uh, that they used to send into islands uh, every week, who would go through and you know just check the punch list. You know, the effect of you know are all the because again, if you remember the language of the the agreement, it's like you know the signage has to be this way, and the you know there has to be the stores have to be this way, and the food, the retail, or the uh, the dining establishment, and it was all, always looking for something they weren't doing that they weren't honoring the contract. And you know, after six months, they stopped sending the guy because it's like you're not finding anything. It's like I, they're they're honoring the contract. What do you want from me? So, yeah. Well, we're we're running a little bit out of time now, but I don't want to keep you too long, Jim. But let's cover one last topic. Um, I wanted to do Disney Quest, but that's another story for another time. Um, some about uh, some of the Nintendo stuff that's come out. Mm. Uh, uh, Miyamoto came out uh, with quotes talking about working with Nintendo and how he's very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some stuff where uh, there was video of uh, Miyamoto going to uh, the Jim Henson workshop. Um, I think the one in Los Angeles because uh, they mm-hmm. did, they worked with Nintendo on their E3 press conference. They actually made puppets of all their yeah um, yeah. Their, that, that's uh, a, that was a really clever piece of video. Yeah yeah. Um. So I'm I'm just uh, the, the, the it's still pretty new the uh, Nintendo concept and it sounds like it's a little farther along than the Avatar one when they announced it because um, mm-hmm. they're talking about concepts. I'm um, just kind of w- what we're hearing is that this is Kid Zone. Um, yep. are, are you still hearing you that? It. Yeah. Yep. Oh no, no, you've nailed it. You know, just picture from Barney all the way to ET. Um, and but let me stress here, ET's not going away. Yeah. I, in fact, uh, and that's because. Of Spielberg. Spielberg is still pissed off by, about the way the closure of E.T. in Universal Studios Hollywood was handled. Yay. So, <laughs> so, so it's just like, so that ride stays until, you know, I, I, you know, again, the day Stephen has a coronary, you know, the bulldozer shows up, you know, 
it's and it, you know because let's be honest, it's an awful ride. I mean, it has a wonderful queue, but as soon as you get on those bicycles and you fly to that planet, it's just sort of like. Whose 1960s drug-induced fantasy is this? <laughs> you know, welcome home, you've come home. Don't hate on Magdal. <laughs> you know, you know I, I used to have friends in um, who lived in Orlando who would deliberately get in line and, and try to get names that if you said them back to back to back were offensive. You know, so when it came time for E.T. to... You know, goodbye, dill doe. You know, um, <laughs> you know, just trying to figure out, just parsing. Okay, you know how, and, and you know, and eventually the universal employees caught on. It's like, no, no, we we can't. You know, no, you you're, you friend. You know, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just from day one. I love the queue. I, I, it's the, my favorite queue in of any theme park around the world. And then you just get on that ride, and it's just sort of like, <sighs> okay, you know, just I'm I'm riding a bicycle past the world's worst animatronic figures, you know, and 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 just that owl. We're like, it's like, oh, please kill me now. Um, And the conversation derails. There we go. <laughs> Obviously, well, some I'm, ET lovers here. I'm so. just surprised, like if if ET is going to stay, that be a jarring transition between that and Nintendo Land, especially if I mean, because it would basically be its own area now. If if Kid Zone's gone and can't really directly tie into Kid Zone or not Kid Zone at Central Park or Hollywood, because there's no real way to connect it now that the media center's up. I, I completely agree, but you know, here's the thing that that, that you know. Um, and by the way, uh, what is it? SpongeBob Square Store isn't going anywhere either because that's uh, the combination of the meet and greet and the retail. It, it's it's doing tremendously, and uh, and we can talk on another show about how Universal and Nintendo hate, or excuse me, uh, Nickelodeon hate one another. But you know, they 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 they're making too much money to to break up that deal. Um, but no, those, those, those chunks stay and, you know, the, it will be a jarring transition from Nintendo, but you know, just, it, it's just got to work because Spielberg won't just won't let go of ET. In fact, that there was a, there's a design. Um, it's completely sussed out for a Smurfs ride that would have gone into the ET building, that it would have used the same ride system, that would have actually been entertaining if you like Smurfs. Um, you know, but Spielberg, it's like no, you know, that's my character. ET is my Mickey Mouse, and he's not leaving that park. So um, it's just it's gonna be there till Spielberg drops. So. Um, you know, and not that we're wishing that that happens anytime soon, but you know, just if it were to happen, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. So, <laughs> from an ET adventure point of view, so hey, oh, did we lose Joe? Wait, I'm here. You hear me? Okay. It's troubling. Okay, that sorry. No, I, I realized my mic, my um, my microphone was muted. My apologies. I did this whole entire thing, and I'm like, wait, why is Brian talking over me? <laughs> sorry about that. Um, uh, Mike, Brian, do you have any other last questions? No. no? This, uh, this is a uh, quite um an honor to finally have you on the podcast, Jim. We've been listening to you for ages, and 
nobody tells a story quite like you, and uh, it's it's great to talk to you in person or like live. Um, <laughs> Skyped. Yeah, <laughs> it's very sweet of you guys to to invite me on, and I'll tell you what we'll we'll have to do this again. Maybe we could talk the next time around about Disney Quest. I mean, that's just yeah, you know. I mean, I I the thing is, I w- I was among the first people to announce that was going to die back in two thousand eight, yeah. and and it was like, and I, I had a rock solid source on it, and then. <laughs> You know, then there was the financial collapse and, you know, that fell off the table and the Monsters Inc. coaster fell off the table. And uh, and then after the Virgin Megastore, you know, basically folded, Disney couldn't bring its, you know, they, you know, they, 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 they already had a problem on the West Side. They, they couldn't close Disney Quest and deal with the empty Virgin Megastore. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, any of us who actually pays attention when they made the NBA experience announcement and they went, hey, it's going to have a realtor shop and a restaurant. It's like, gee, well, I wonder where this is going to go. <laughs> I wonder you if know. they can put five stories of LeBron jerseys in there. Yeah. They can. Well, they will. So I, <laughs> They'll find a way. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, the, if that is um, – that turns out to be a draw. Yeah. Um, you know, just I, I, I guess we're all going to have to wait till 2016, 2017 to see whether or not, um, you know, Disney Springs works the way it's supposed to. I mean, they're they're really trying to, you know, I mean, that's the thing I think people don't understand is they're trying to flop people's attention. The, the waterfront from this point in is supposed to be the thing you pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that was the whole concept uh, with the boathouse and the little aqua cars and all that to, to, to excite that's you know that terrain. Um, but I don't know how NBA is going to fit into this, but um, we'll see. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jim, for having for for being here. I mean, we've been huge fans forever. I remember reading all your old, old, old stuff back in the day. There we go. Yes, back in the prehistoric time. Yes, we used to carve those stories in cave yeah, walls. Yeah, b- back when the cave walls were writing about um, Mission Space going into the Horizons building and all that good stuff. Long, yep. long time ago, and and Muppet Studios and all the really good stories. Um, mm. And, and oh. yeah, well. Not at the- Please. Yeah. No. Sorry. I, well, not not just stories. We you know all the the news and you know the rumors. Mm-hmm. I mean to say, it's like, yes, you waved these tales. No, it's like, no. You, I mean, you create <laughs> you created you know a, a, a nice um, narrative to these plans and uh, and concepts that you know really were very very good. And um, always been a fan. And it's been an honor for you to be joining us on our own little rinky dink unprofessional podcast for a little while. <laughs> No, you guys do a great job actually staying top of the the current news. In fact, I think that's this is the thing. You know, in a weird sort of way, one of the most fascinating times to be covering themed entertainment because it's gotten weirdly dynamic. Whether it's SeaWorld trying to carve out an identity for itself post Killer Whale, or you know, or, or Disney finally actually having to react to Universal, or or again, Universal just lining up you know seriously five years from now when all of these e-tickets are up and running and and they continue to expand potter um you know what i love about this is disney has to respond and so that's you know they keep throwing more money at star wars because it's got to be harry potter quality and same thing with pixar um honestly when when we're we're all sitting around talking about disney world's 50th anniversary 
Uh, you know, it just it, it's going to be again. This next five years is going to be seem like torture, a sea of construction fences. But when it's done, that park's going to be killer. It's going to be you know, it, 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 not quite the Magic Kingdom, but certainly will probably have shifted from right now. What is it? It's depending on when you go. It's either the third or the fourth park that people go to. Um, that's going to give Epcot a run for its money. It's it's never going to pass the kingdom, but it's definitely going to give Epcot a run for its money. Yeah. Um, so, Jim, where can we find you out online and all your various media outlets? Jeez. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, when I'm not traveling, I'm posting stuff at my own website, Jim Hill Media. I do regular stories for the Huffington Post Entertainment page. And when Mr. Testa isn't traveling, uh, he and I do... The unofficial guy, Disney Dish, uh, with Jim Hill Podcast, which, yes, is the worst name of a podcast in the history of man. Um, but, you know, we do a couple of those a month, and there's a bunch of them that have been archived over at Bandcamp. And, um, and beyond that, I, you know, just um, – I, I think we're f- – I think I finally – you know, I, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but the, the, Lenny helped me actually finish my Disneyland book, the one that I've been promising oh. for 10 or 15 years. And we're, I think we have to make one more run at it. The publisher wants some more stories, uh, but that might come out later this year or early next year. So, um, cool. You know, so. I we'll see. <laughs> you know, yeah. just it's taken so long to get this one out the door and. Uh, meantime, you know, just we're we're kind of exploring the idea of doing some ebooks. Um, I've I've always wanted to do the Circus World story for Florida because uh, that's one of those parks that had a huge impact on Disney that nobody remembers anymore. So yeah. Um, but anyway, if you don't shut me up, we're going to be here for another hour. So let's yeah. let's let's <laughs> shut. Shut the guy in New Hampshire down. Yeah. Well, well, one question: Do you think you'll get your Disneyland book out first, or will Toy Story Playland open first? <laughs> um, actually, that that you know, given how slow they are with Toy Story Playland, I'm pretty sure the book's out first. There we go. Um, cool. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that that's hopefully uh, next couple of months. Actually, cool. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Cool, Brian. Where can we find you at? Um, at any bar, usually. Uh, Finnegan's Universal is a good spot. Um, <laughs> um, Land United, and you can find me on Twitter as well at, uh, at BrianManOU. And just so I could throw in my two cents, thanks, thanks guys for having me on, especially when you're talking to the great Jim Hill. <laughs> it was definitely sort of a surprise. Hey, join us. We're going to talk to Jim Hill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, anyway, Brian. He, he has great taste. Finnegan's is a great bar. I love that place. Really, really good. Good fish and chips. Yeah. Yep. Delicious. Uh, Mike, where can we find you at? You can find me outside of the current Twister attraction, knighting up in my suit of armor for the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show experience coming in 2017. And on Twitter? <laughs> um, at Donald Trump. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> okay. Well, again, thank you very much, Jim. Um, it's been a truly an honor. Um, you can find me at Parkscope Joe. You can find all of us at Parkscope. We'll have this up at Parkscope.net where you can find all of our news and insane ramblings of Universal Mad Men. Um, thank you very much. Uh, Mike, do you want to sign us out? Um, love everybody. Hate everything. Kung Peace, guys. <laughs>